You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. District of Conservation is sponsored by Real Camel Girl. It's a lifestyle brand focused on ladies who love the great outdoors. Through the website and social media platforms, they offer a safe space where the ladies can share their pictures, stories, wild game, and fish recipes, and news articles about conservation and hunting perspectives. I've served as a pro staffer of theirs since September 2016. It's been two years, and I've learned it's a network of women who love fishing, hunting, and the outdoors in general. Women come from all sorts of backgrounds, experience levels, and regions throughout the United States. It's a welcoming environment, and should you choose to be involved, especially if you're a lady... You will really enjoy it. So be sure to check out Real Camo Girl at www.realcamogirl.com and follow them across social media. Welcome to episode six of District of Conservation. I am not back home. I'm on vacation. So today's episode is going to be short and sweet with my exclusive interview with Joe Condilis of Western Bear Foundation. So Joe is the president and CEO of this group, and they do a lot to help address the problem with increased human-bear interactions in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem and out west. And he's going to have a lot to share about what's been going on with the federal judge ruling that managed hunts cannot take place and what the future of conservation for grizzly bears and other bear species looks like. You guys will enjoy it. Check it out. We are pleased to be joined by... Joe Condilis of the Western Bear Foundation. And you guys might be thinking, why am I bringing on someone from the West to talk about issues related to the district or D.C. metro area? But I think everyone is affected by the policies that subtract from any managed hunts, whether it's big game, small game, all that. So I've, since I've talked about this issue re- with respect to the grizzly bear and the black bear, uh, in those two various sections, I thought it was prudent for me to bring on someone actually on the front lines for this. So, Joe, I appreciate you coming on and talking about your you and your organization and what you guys are doing for conservation. Oh, thanks for having us. It's nice to get uh, get a voice outside of, you know, the Rocky Mountain West a little bit <laughs> and, and let people know what's going on out here, because I think it's it's uh, pretty understated what's happening out here with the grizzly bear uh, issue for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it it doesn't just have a greater Yellowstone impact because this guy who ruled, as you know, against the managed grizzly bear hunt was federally appointed. So I think people understand that if this happens in one region, this can certainly happen in another region. And that's that's true. And I think we had a lot of people that didn't understand and, and and I guess that's part of the education of sportsmen and, 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 and I wouldn't say that we're uneducated, but I think sportsmen kind of live in their own little world where there's no possible way a judge could overturn something and, and they didn't understand how that could happen. And, and it's almost sad to say that this might've brought more attention to them saying, well, how could a judge do that? And it, it makes them maybe think a little bit now more about who they vote in for office and, and, you know, who's got house, who's got Senate. And it's a lot more important now on the, you know, even when they're voting in the midterms here now, it's going to be important because, you know, that judge was federally appointed 
And eventually, ultimately, an Obama appointee during the Trump administration was able to derail our grizzly bear hunt. Yeah, it's critically important. And I believe there is a procedure and we'll talk more about this as we proceed with the interview. But I believe the president, if he found this judge to be an ill will, there is a process to remove a judge. So it'll be interesting to see that if there is a lot of backlash, if the administration and subsequently uh, the Senate could help overturn this, especially if they were to gain a majority. So that'll be interesting to follow. But I want to first begin by asking you a little bit about your background and how you got involved in this issue. Yeah, so I have kind of a funny story. I'm I'm not a, a biologist. I'm not a. I didn't go to school for conservation or you know any wildlands or wildlife degree. Uh, I grew up in in Southwest Montana, a little town called Butte, Montana, and uh, grew up hunting and fishing. And and you know in the West and I know parts of the East. I mean, hunting and fishing is not so much a hobby. It's a it's a heritage and it's culture, and so we have always grown up doing that. And I, I really early on became real passionate about bears and bear hunting and, and, and not only the hunting aspect, but just understanding bears and they're, they're a fascinating creature to me. I, I love observing, observing them. And so I, uh, you know, I graduated college with a business degree and always had this kind of desire to do something. Um, I just kind of had a fire like, man, we need to do something for bear. There's nothing out here in the West. Like there is, you know, Virginia has a bear hunters association. There's all these groups out that are organized and we didn't have anything out West. And we had a lot of issues with the grizzly bears, you know, years ago. Um, and we, we just didn't have a lot of people focused on it. And so I was like, man, that would be an awesome thing if we could start something. And I just always had that kind of burning inside me. And I finally just said, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to get this started. And we started out really small. We were actually called the Yellowstone country bear hunters association which kind of uh, framed us into a small space, you know, and, and it was good for a while and we grew and, and, and until last year, it was about 2017, we changed our name to Western Bear Foundation early on. And it's, 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 it's really helped us kind of expand our scope. And, and we always wanted to be kind of in the West, but our old name, people didn't realize that we were, we were trying to look out for everywhere. They just thought, well, with their name, they must be just around Yellowstone. But in fact, we were trying to really be the voice for bears and voice for bear hunters in the Rocky Mountain West, all over the West where there isn't one already. And so mm-hmm. right now we're advocating, you know, we do a lot of advocacy stuff, you know, advocate for hunting, but on the same side, we're very conservation based, which we're always looking at how to keep bears on the mountain and how to put more and reduce human bear conflicts reduce management actions, create opportunity for sportsmen, for photographers, for the general public to enjoy. So we're kind of a dual-based group right now. I think people fail to understand that most pro-hunting organizations like yours, especially, don't only advocate for the right to hunt or the opportunity to hunt. You guys also work to conserve the species. That's what the North American model of wildlife conservation encourages and, and emphasizes hunters to do. So it's very interesting that there's that two-pronged process uh, with your group too, much like other organizations out there. People don't know that. No, and and it's a common misconception. They think, and you know, I'll tell you, we've we've kind of flown under the radar with the backlash from antis and stuff because I think we focus a lot on conservation. But I will state it emphatically: like we are a pro-hunting group, and we are okay with bear hunting, and we encourage it, and we want to see it, and we promote hunting opportunities. But on the same side, you know 
conservation is so important to ensure a future for hunting and to ensure a future for the health of the species that we really focus a lot of our efforts on that. Now, had we had some issues like they have in New Jersey or, you know, other states banning bear hunting, if we had issues like that in Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, Washington, Oregon, we'd probably shift our offense to more of protecting, you know, protecting our rights as hunters but right now we don't have a lot of issues for losing rights. Mm-hmm. So we look at conservation. So we put a lot of our resources in, well, we're not losing rights. How do we increase opportunity? And that's by putting more bears on the landscape, you know, keeping people safe when they're out recreating. Mm-hmm. And a big thing we had to do the last few years, which was really kind of hard for a lot of people out West, because you got a lot of people that have terrible taste in their mouth over this grizzly bear thing. We really had to advocate for education and we did a lot of educational stuff to teach people, Hey, know what you're shooting, black bear, grizzly bear, and trying to tell people we use bear spray. We don't want to get rid of grizzly, but we don't want to kill grizzly bears on accident mm-hmm. because that's one less that we will have when it comes time to delist them. So, you know, we've kind of played in a lot of spaces um, lately, especially with this grizzly bear delisting. Yeah, and talk a little bit more about the implications that will result from Judge Dana Christensen's ruling that outright banned this hunt for the season. What do you think it's going to have? What effect do you think it'll have locally and also nationally? And do you think it it'll impact other species beyond even the bear? Could it impact elk? Because uh, it's setting a precedent. Saying, oh, we don't like this. It. Yeah. It's drastically like, and it has affected our ungulate populations uh, dramatically over the last probably 10 years more so than, you know, 20 years ago when the, as the population over the last 10, 15 years has really boomed, you've seen ungulate populations really kind of, you know, grizzly bears and black bears are massive um, killers when it comes to uh, newborn ungulates deer 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 fawns elk calves moose calves that's one of their primary sources of food in the spring when they come out of their den so it affects ungulate populations having now we have two apex predators on our landscape we have the grizzly bear unregulated and now we have Mm -hmm. the wolf that's regulated to an extent so our ungulates have went from having very few grizzly bears and no wolves to now having Mm -hmm a lot of grizzly bears that are unregulated and a wolf population that even though it's regulated is expanding. So it's very tough on our ungulates. And then what that does economically in in a state like Wyoming and Montana and Idaho is very much the same is one of your top economic drivers is hunting and recreation, outdoor recreation. The state of Wyoming, I think it's like number two for economic drivers. So when you lose ungulates, you lose hunting permits and you got less people coming Mm -hmm. out into these areas to hunt and it, and it affects the economy. And so there's a way you can look at it on that side of things, but health of the species Mm -hmm. is becoming a big issue now because when we've done a lot of the grizzly bear research stuff and we've sat in a lot of the meetings with the large carnivore teams, what we've been hearing is that the, uh, the sow to cub, the, the, the reproductive rates of sows is slowed down. And basically Mm. the reason being is the, the, the population is at capacity. So the bucket's full. So they start managing themselves and they've turned their reproductive rates to like, you know, every three, four years now. And so we're putting less mm. cubs out on the landscape. We have a bunch of dominant bears. They're pushing other bears out. So we have bears in areas outside of the demographic monitoring area, outside of the recovery area. And we're having issues right now. Like we've had, we've just lost a, a, a outfitter and a guide in Jackson hole to a grizzly bear right. attack. 
Um, we've had just the other day near my hometown where, where I live in Cody, we had a sportsman had to shoot a grizzly bear. He was a guide. Um, we've had eight grizzly deaths in two weeks in, in the Wyoming area. Oh. And that's all human bear conflict stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when you have too many in a space that can't hold them is they push out and they're, they're eventually encroaching upon, you know, urban populations and it's a human safety issue, especially in the fall. And it's it just, those are bears that ultimately we could have maybe harvested and a sportsman would have paid money, paid, paid dollars back to the state that would have aided in further recovery rather than us paying our taxpayer dollars to have the department go manage. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the purpose of managed hunts and, it can be even for novice hunters. And for me, I'm new to all of this. I, I understand the basics of hunting. I, I grew up mostly as an angler, but I've seen it through the lens of talking to people like yourself. I have friends who live in the corridor that you're at in the surrounding regions and in Oregon. And they just tell me this, that if a managed hunt does not take place, it incurs a lot of problems for not only humans, but also the species in question too. And it kind of goes into something I want to ask you about how do you think people like yourself and other conservationists can address the misconceptions associated with managed hunts? Because we see the media and various journalists and activist groups say that, oh my, the bear population is going to be decimated if this hunt were to take place. How do you think we counteract that? How How is your organization going to be counteracting yeah. that? Because, that because is... when the hunt was first announced, you guys actually put out a fact sheet on your website. Yeah explaining exactly what's going to be transpiring. Do you think those kinds of efforts should be taking place I mean, more so? What do you want to do with that? We need to do that times like a million because <laughs> that is a tough nut to crack. And it's shocking to me because of the way the media represents stuff now. I mean, I saw a ton of articles saying like Yellowstone grizzly bears saved. People thought we were going to hunt in Yellowstone. Yes. And people the thought, Wall Street Journal yeah, tweeted that. People thought we were going to eradicate bears. And I'm like, that is, it's, it's, people getting information from the wrong sources and then not taking it upon themselves to do their own homework and figure out the facts. And that's very frustrating. So we're trying to tell people the facts and like, I'll debate anyone. I'll be like, you know, let's, I want to hear your reasons that you don't want this. And, and I'm not a fire and brimstone guy and our group is not, you know, we'll look at both sides of the fence and, and say, okay, maybe that makes sense. But like on this, on this issue, there was so much under misunderstanding And so what we have to do is just kind of keep putting that out there. Like, Hey, you know, we weren't, we weren't asking for the eradication of bears and, and our group actually is really promoting a sustainable grizzly population, one for the future. Um, and, and hunting is going to be a big piece of that. But, you know, Mm -hmm. when it comes to, um, kind of breaking that stereotype of managed hunts, you know, like, uh, Grizzly bears, black bears, mountain lions, right? They're, they're all probably the first and toughest one when it comes to those managed hunts. Right. You don't see people balking at ungulate managed hunts as much, but it's this trophy moniker that we have on mountain lions and bears because of the way the states have worded it and the way the states right. manage those hunts. And so we're working right now in Wyoming, and, and this is kind of on the beginning stages of trying to remove the trophy moniker from the bear uh, the bear management. So they call it a trophy license. And actually in Wyoming, you don't have to take your meat out of the field. If you shoot a bear, we're working to change that so that you have to. So it kind of reduces that image of like, you're only hunting for the hide and you're not hunting for the meat. And so there's a lot of work on our end to do that because that's what comes up with bears and mountain lions, right? It's like, 
oh, you just want the hide in the carcass. Support. Yeah, the 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 common uh, claim that they make is that oh, you just want to get it for their pelts. Yeah, and that's fine and dandy, but plenty of people harvest them for the meat, especially with respect to the black bear. Oh yeah, and <clears throat> yeah, that's what we, they do. We advocate for all our people, all our members. We tell people, you know, take it out of the field. Let's 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 show that we are not just hide hunters. And you right. know, they focus so much on that, but they forget that the, the, you know everyone needs predator hunters whether it's it's photographers that don't like hunting or it's ungulate hunters deer and elk hunters that don't carry a bear tag they need us bear hunters out there because mm-hmm. it keeps checks and balances in the in the you know the the hierarchy out in the forest you know you've got to have someone out there taking some of these predators out of the population and it's not hurting the population when we do that no that's like anything in excess with respect to wildlife management they want people, especially where I live in Virginia, they tell us that we want hunters to take out and access the number of white-tailed deer. If you're eligible to do the bow archery season, you can participate. You have to get a special license and you do that. Like the wild, I think the, the wildlife biologists and managers need to be out more front and center, talking to the media, explaining what these hunts, especially these so-called controversial big game hunts, entail because everyone talks about science-based solutions and this and this is rooted in science yeah but then they deny they, they're very selective as to what they want to believe is science-based but this is very much science-based so i think it, uh, kind of with, with your combined efforts and then bringing out the wildlife biologists who deal directly with this and determine the culling numbers and all that like i think they need to be front and center too you know it's so funny it's um the same science that is used to recover recover the grizzly bear so probably the most remarkable if not the most remarkable recovery story of any species in the world is this grizzly bear, probably one of the most watched. I mean, they were decimated and now we're looking at potentially one day delisting the greater Yellowstone population, the Northern continental divide population. We have four subpopulations that, that we're looking to augment. And I'm like, okay, so that same science that was used, all the people that were against hunting and fishing approved of, because they were like, that science is going to support a recovery. Now, mm-hmm. when the time the recovery happens, they don't support that science anymore. And that same science is yeah. what the fishing game biologists use, you know, whether it's extrapolating data through um, harvest reports and, and, and hunters coming in and giving data and stuff. And that's how they manage their fishing game. And, you know, we have a boom right now of elk in the West. We have deer numbers, mm-hmm. you know, mule deer are tough, but, we, you know, those numbers are only that way because they're managed well, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's so funny. They can't pick and choose their battles. And a big part of this is it's ESA and that yes. this ability for these nonprofits to sue the federal government and recur their costs back if they win, it is atrocious. Yeah. And you were alluding to the gray wolf actually, and uh, the house natural resources committee passed a bill making it so it should be delisted in the lower 48 and it wouldn't be subjected to judicial review, which is what the grizzly bear motion was. So I think, I think, uh, I think Liz Cheney had uh, Congresswoman Cheney had a bill uh, to make it so that uh, it can go back to the department of interior to which it would be subjected to only their whim and not further judicial review under the duress of judge Christensen or someone like him. So yeah. And we called her office and told her, you know, and uh, we were excited to see something like that happen, you know, not just someone in DC that just says, well, that is what it is, you know, and, and I know Brassel's mm-hmm. office was pretty upset about it. 
um, right. because they've all come out and supported this delisting. And so, you know, there might be some things that happen down the road, but I think ultimately, you know, Brasso is really supporting a change to the, uh, modernizing the ESA and, um, something yes. needs to happen there because what's the point, you know, what as sportsmen out here in the West, and this is maybe a good takeaway for, for people that don't understand is we as yeah. a group out here are basically losing all faith and trust in the system of, you know, we, we, we did what we could to get this bear recovered and we believe in our biologists and believe in the local people on mm-hmm. the ground are so awesome. But it's like, at, and I see, I hear people all the time. They're like, well, we'll just take it into our own hands. And and that's kind of what it's happening out here. And it's like that, that ESA ruling and that judge Christensen's ruling really just kind of was like a, and it was at a bad time out here because we're seeing an increase mm-hmm. and more deaths, human deaths. We're seeing an increase right. in bear deaths and, and conflict. Mm-hmm. Like, is this a bad time for him to make that ruling? And, and it, it's, it's right. tough out here. Yeah. I, I've been following the ESA modification stuff very closely. And I, I hope others like you also spread the word about it because people, I think some conservationists who don't fully understand, they're like, well, the ESA is there to protect, you know, our right to access public lands. But then like they have to read further between then they try to tie it to land and water conservation funding and land and water conservation funding isn't really tied to the ESA. It's more so DOI and Mm -hmm. fish and wildlife and it comes from royalties and it's completely uh, not subsidized by the taxpayers. So some people are trying to say, well, you know, we have to be a little careful uh, because if we support, you know, this, that will mean like we'll have our rights infringed to access. And I said, this program has nothing to do with it. So no. I think hunters should care. And then care and part this. of the reason you're probably getting a lot of that is because everything out West now, every conservation group, whether it's an elk based conservation group or a backpack hunting, you know, I'm not going to say names or nothing. Everyone yeah. is so hyper-focused right now on this transfer of public lands issue that no one's right. really paying attention to, like, the endangered species stuff. And, and, you know, everyone, I mean, even these groups that aren't focused on land, they're not land-based conservation groups, are just putting all their eggs into the, and, and, and it's important, you know, the, we, we don't want to see the transfer of our lands into state control. You know, we want to keep them public. But there's other irons in the fire that are ex- just as important like this endangered species act and, and modernizing it. Well, sure. And I think there are some misconceptions about uh, <laughs> who, who controls what and, and whatnot. And that's a pol- another charged topic yeah. <laughs> to go constant change to how if uh, states make it. So there was something that the department of interior ruled that was really good, but some people found it to be contentious that if a federal rule subverted state rule, that uh, it would make it more impossible because there are some problems with having full-fledged federal control. There uh, and especially with like, people are confused about BLM and should you have an extra protection and that further restricts. And we, we can go on another, you know, do another podcast about the, the Western land conversation. Oh, man. Like, like I'm not, I'm not one to hear to tell you that the forest service is doing the best job in the world because they are right. And there's better ways to manage it, but it's like, you know, there's other ways to do without having to have the States, you know, a state like Wyoming that has so much oil and gas. That's a scary thing. You know, if the state ended up controlling it, where they, they could lease ground and stuff. So it's a, 
and we're getting off, but yeah, it's kind of a, but that's the hot buttons right now. And and I thought this grizzly bear thing would really bring more people onto the CSA and like, be like, okay, we're focusing on that too. And it really just kind of was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, and I think everyone expected it. They're just like, yeah, we figured that wasn't going to happen. So we'll just keep grinding away. I think it also could be the fact that certain conservation groups don't want to touch that because of certain donors. They oh have. yeah. That's a big thing. And- that's a little problematic I've seen a lot of, <laughs> with questionable donors. And that's one nice thing yeah. about us is we are not heavily funded. We're all volunteer. Um, I'm, I'm not paid to do this. I do it on my own time and our <laughs> volunteers do it on all of their own time. So we don't have to answer yeah. to anyone and we can run this group how we want to run it. And, and it's all based on science and, and conservation North American model. But, you know, you got big right. groups that they even said they came out and said that we're not going to have a stance on this. And it was frustrating. I'm like, how can you not take a stance on such a hot topic? But you know, who's giving them money. Exactly. People who may not have our interest at hand, I won't name which yeah. groups, but it's, you read their donor filings and you can see what foundations give certain groups money. And they're afraid not only of the big game issue, I'm afraid they're afraid of uh, taking a stance on second amendment rights. Today. Yes, very much. So uh, that's, uh, no. it's, yeah, it's so. frustrating. <laughs> it is and you you want to have those groups support but they're they're cajoled a little yeah, you bit want their money so, but you don't want any ties to them exactly it's it's a shame but don't worry you have allies myself and i have i have no doubt plenty of others well and i appreciate your you out there keeping track of a lot of this stuff because you know it, that's you know a lot of people are involved in their state legislation and their state government but they don't really get and understand and dc's a monster no. you know and so having someone out there like it you is. that's looking from a sports person's side of things is really important for yes. us and, and getting that word out so i really appreciate your work out there yeah it's my pleasure and i want to ensure that people even outside of your territory can connect with you so how can people get involved join donate support Spread the word. What what can people do? Yeah. Uh, what, so process, what steps can we they have? Do? A, we have a really good website. It's uh, just westernbearfoundation.org. Um, and then mm-hmm. our contact information's on there. The number's on there. When you call, you get a hold of me. You know, we don't have an office. So, but we have uh, we have a membership program that really just is kind of so we have contact people. And then what we're really excited about is we've started two separate funds. Um, we've started a conflict mitigation and bear research fund. So all the money that we raise in that fund goes directly on the mm-hmm. ground because we're not paid to do what we do. So we've been doing some callers for black bear research. We've been placing, uh, we've been doing conflict mitigation stuff like bear proof dumpsters and bear fences and, and bear spray giveaways. So we have that fund that we're always going to kind of have. And that money in there is dedicated to research and, and conflict mitigation. And then, just with all the bear attacks and the issues we've had, um, we've started another fund that's basically an, an attack relief fund. And it's it's no real good way to word it, but basically we started a relief fund for those people that are involved in grizzly bear attacks or bear attacks um, in the West to help them recoup some of their, their costs of, you know, um, medical costs and loss of wages costs and maybe their gear and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And just... You know, we, we know several of these people that have been mauled and attacked and, and um, families of people that have lost loved ones. And there's really nothing mm-hmm. for them. And, you know, they just are the, the guy that just got mauled in Jackson had five children. Um, so yes. all of a sudden they his income and, they, you know, and so there's just a need for someone out there to be looking out for these people. And it's not out, it's not specific to hunters. It's, it's people recreating in the West and 
that kind of yeah. has to deal with this. Yeah. So we started that fund as well that we want to help the people that have been victims of attacks and, and loss of property. So I saw that. yeah, we have that on there as well. So those are kind of two ways mm-hmm. to help us out. And, you know, we're on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and all that as well. So. Perfect. No, I'll make sure that people can connect with you guys online. I'll do my best to to put the links out really there for my it. view, my audience. Yeah, absolutely. And I have no doubt article I did when you provided me comment coming out soon. So I'm hoping uh, the article in Sporting Classics will come out too with your comments as well. Out so we'll, we'll get you guys your promotion. Great. There. Well, I really appreciate it. And it's a, it's nice to be yes. able to talk to someone from outside of this area. So. Yeah, who understands? And yeah. I think there are more of us who understand from the public policy format and just from even a practical standpoint, because if you do not have this in place, you don't really promote conservation, you're promoting preservation. And that's not good for no. the ecosystem in question. It's not good for the species. And it's certainly not good for the human, human no. race. And it boils down to common sense. And, and that's what it is. Yes. It's just, it, it seems to be lacking in this world anymore. Yeah. It's a lot of uh, alarmism, misunderstanding, misinformation, and unfortunately submitting to the hierarchy of cuteness. I've pet bear cubs before. I love them. I admire them from a distance and even sometimes directly if I get the opportunity. But people have to remember they are dangerous animals. uh, If you're not careful with them. TV doesn't help us. They, they, uh, No. You know, and I love bears. Like I said, they're my favorite animal, and I I could sit and watch them and stare at them, and I love understanding. But, you know, just like anything else. They need to be managed. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. So, Joe, I thank you so much for coming on District of Conservation. And I hope we can get this far and wide. And you guys keep up your good efforts and send me anything I can uh, push out to to my followers and to others, hopefully, in the media. Uh, you guys are doing critical work to help this uh, managed hunt, uh, get more awareness and kind of counter lies and misinformation out there so keep up the good work and i hope you guys will have continued success despite some of the setbacks you guys <laughs> well have. i really appreciate it thanks for having us on and kind yeah. of believing in us and uh, you keep up the good work Absolutely. out there thank yep. you i want to thank joe for coming on to talk about western bear foundation and their work to promote conservation with the grizzly bear and for their efforts to shed light on this critical issue, because if it happens to this species, it can certainly happen to others. If you guys liked this episode, make sure you subscribe on anchor.fm, but most importantly, download us on iTunes, Google play and similar podcast portals, especially on iTunes. The more we have positive or good feedback, the more we can have this podcast reach others out there and make sure to follow us on facebook instagram twitter and youtube to never miss a beat of district of conservation thank you guys and stay tuned for episode seven next week